I just want to say what a privilege it is to be here with you guys today. And I want to tell, tell kind of my story about, I can't tell you your story, and I don't have it all figured out, but what I can tell you is I can tell you kind of what I've learned. And one of the things that I've learned is that, that this is a body of Christ that really does love each other, and so thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for accepting me. Those times where I'm like, oh man, I'm having a rough week. You know, some, I've got, I've got a body of Christ that encourages me, where I'm real, where I'm not afraid to say like, bro, I am really struggling in this area, and have them, oh, thank you for doing that. But I want to tell you, it's not an easy thing to find, and I'm sure uh, those of you that this isn't the first church you've ever been to have, have seen that probably, that, that it's, it's not normal, and it should be, to have a body of Christ where you can be real. So, so when we moved to Dallas, we moved about, I've, we've been here about five, six years. I grew up all over. I went to all kinds of different churches. I, um, I'm actually an ordained Baptist pastor. I've been ordained since uh, 97. So, uh, but I've, we were Methodist missionaries and we went to a Presbyterian church and I got to speak at a Catholic church. It was really interesting. So I'm kind of a spiritual mutt. And so when we moved to, when we moved to Dallas, I was like, all right, God, where, where do you want us? What church? Because I know that we've got to be a part of the body of Christ. That's what you've created us for. What, what can we do? So I tried churches. I tried churches that it was uh, like, like they have kneelers and you kneel down and, you know, there's, everybody's quiet all the time and there's incense and it smells awesome. I mean, that, that church always smells good. And, and I tried... I tried churches where they had contemporary music, where they had what we have here. I tried churches where they, they sang out of hymnals. I tried churches where uh, we were by far the youngest people. And then when we first started coming here, we were by far the oldest people. We were like, wow, we really are much older than all these people. We got confused for somebody's parents at a birthday party. And I'm like, how old do you think I am? And my wife looked at me and she said, hey, babe, do the math. We could be their parents. And so, so we've, we've, we've been to all those. And I tried all these different churches, but God put on my heart three things to look for. First one is find a place where you're at least somewhat in it. You know, like there, there's only a couple, what we call here, and I agree with Pastor Adam on this, a couple close-handed doctrines. You know, the word of God is in Aaron and Jesus is the only way to heaven. Okay, so, so now that we got that out of the way, that kind of like opens up a lot of churches. So, so I need some place where, where the word of God is being taught. And I'm, I'm not being bored to death, but God put two things that were at the top of the priority. One is I need a place where I could serve. A place where, where could I, I could invest. Because God has put me together with certain gifts. Just like he's putting you together with certain gifts. That are meant for the body of Christ. So I need a place that I can plug in. And then the, the third thing. And this was the most important was. I needed a place where I could be real. Where, where I could sit across from somebody. And they could say hey bro you shouldn't say that to your kid. That's going to hurt their heart. And I could sit across from them and say hey man maybe I ought to not do that every Friday night. I needed a place where I could be real. And you may be surprised at how tough it was for us to find. I, one Sunday, I went, to, <laughs> I went to a church in the morning. And that, that, wasn't, that wasn't so hot for us. It didn't really work out. Um, and, and so I'm like, okay, God, what else you got? So it's kind of cool. Now you can get on the internet. You can flip it open. You can watch live services all around the Metroplex. So I started watching. I think I was like up to my third or fourth service that day, you know, watch them. Like, I'd be like, oh, maybe this one's good. And all of a sudden the snakes come out or something. I'm like, well, that's not for us. We won't be visiting that one. And, and, and so I, finally I got frustrated. And I'll be honest, I got real with God. And I said, God, are you kidding me? You're going to move me to Dallas. I didn't want to move here, but you said to go here. So I moved here. You're going to move me to Dallas and you're going to put me in a place. You've called me to this neighborhood, which thank the Lord we got this building because I can walk to church. That was totally of God, Pastor Adam. But, but you told me to go to this place, and I can't find a church. 
Did you bring me here just to let me wither and die, God? And I, I was real. I was real honest with him. And so I said, forget it. I'm going to stop looking for a church for now. I know I need to be a part of the body of Christ, but I'm just exhausted today. So I opened up my computer back up, and one of my friends had told me about an, an art festival that happened in Cedar Hill. Now, arts have always been an important thing to me. I, if you come to my house, you'll see I've got guitars. I love to play guitar. I've got paintings that, that people have painted around my house, photography. I love that. That was actually what I was going to go to college for when I was in high school. I was, I was going to be a, um, a photography major at Rhode Island School of Design. I thought, oh, this is going to be... This is going to be phenomenal. Um, but so I, I started looking at this thing called Walk the Light. And one of their partners was a church called Church on the Hill. And I said, well, that's interesting. A church would partner with an art festival. Let's check it out. So I clicked on the link and I went to Church on the Hill. And Pastor Adam and Jamie explained kind of how God called them to that. They were meeting at the Methodist church at that time. I, I think it was the Sunday that you guys started Children's Church, to be honest. And so... So I said to, to Sarah, I said, hey, babe, there's this church. It's called Church on the Hill. It meets in Cedar Hill. It's not far from the house right now. They're meeting at a Methodist church, and they meet, you know, tonight. And she goes, tonight? I said, yeah, I think I'd like to go check it out. And she goes, do I got to come? And I said, well, you don't have to come, but I would like it if you would. That way if it's crazy, like we can. And, and so we, we, we walked up, and the first person we met was Miss Jamie. And Miss Jamie was just so friendly. Oh, I'm so happy to see introduce you to some people and she introduced us to the the, uh, the estradas which was real interesting because they said they were so cool they said hey listen you know i know this is your first time it's so nice to meet you and i didn't say like yeah i've been a pastor for all these years because i don't i don't know how they're gonna be weird or whatever they said I, I know you don't know anybody but would you like to sit with us and i said sure that'd be nice you know that way we're not alone and and so they did not tell us that they sit on the front row and so like we sat on the front row and I'm like, bro, if we got a dip, we are in trouble because there is no subtle way to sneak out of the front row. And then, they, then we did what we, what we just did. We did the, the laying on hand, raise your hand if you have a prayer request. And let me tell you, I said I'm a spiritual mutt, so I've been to a lot of church and I've seen some weird stuff. I've seen people screaming and people yelling and, and I, I know they're praying against the devil, but it seems like they're pretty mad at me. And, and they start shoving on me. And so when Pastor Adam said, raise your hand and somebody's going to pray with you, I, I promise you. And I don't know if I've ever told you, but I said, oh, Lord, no, this is not the one. This is not the one because they're going to start yelling at me. And right as I said that, Pastor Adam said, and nobody's going to be yelling at you. And I'm like, well, maybe. And, and I said, well, what, what if they're shoving on me? I don't need nobody shoving on me. I don't need to receive nothing that way. And he said, and if somebody shoves you, I'm going to knock them out. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can raise my hand. You know, we're... We're not meant to be alone. We're not meant to be alone. We're meant to be in community. And so the key verse for today's message is Romans 12, 9 through 10. It says this. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what's evil. Cling to what's good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. I want to highlight that first verse. Let love be without hypocrisy. I told you I grew up in church, and, and I did. I would go to church. I went to all kinds of different churches. We lived in Houston. I went to some of the big churches, some of the small churches. I went to, you know, I went to churches, like I said, that were high church. I went to churches that were, you know, people just coming up with an acoustic guitar and winging it. I mean, I, I've been to all those things. But, you know, I didn't go to get a word from the Lord. I'll be honest. Most of the time I went to see, who's the new girl that's here? I went to see, who can I go party with afterwards? Which one of my friends from school I know as a liquor cabinet that we can get into. 
And it got to the point where my parents were going through a, a, a divorce. They, they had separated, um, but they were living in the same house, which was, that was interesting. But, but so I used that as an opportunity. I wasn't coming home. And finally, my, my mom she said, look, you're not coming home. You're, not, you're out of control. You're going to wind up in big, big trouble. You need to go stay with somebody else. And so between my junior and senior year that summer, I moved from Portland, Oregon on the West Coast to, I promise you, it was a cow town in Michigan. They, they had to veto the vote to make the senior class um, um, animal a cow. I'm not even kidding. It was a dairy town. And so, like, I showed up and I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. But, and, and being my senior year, you have to write on a piece of paper, like, what are your career choices? So my career choice, I half-heartedly wrote preacher. So I wrote preacher. I'm going to be a preacher. And, and I still went to church I, for wrong reasons. But that became my nickname at all the parties, preacher. Oh, preacher, you crazy, you crazy. And when I moved in with my grandparents, they had two rules. So I got kicked out, like I said, and, and, and I moved in with my grandparents. And they had two rules. Those two rules were, one, no drinking, no drugs. Number two, if you're going to be late, call. They have too, too many rules for me to follow. And, and so... One night, I don't know what I was thinking, because normally I would just make some, I'm going to stay at Johnny's house. I didn't know there was no Johnny. I mean, I'd be crashing at some, somebody's house, passed out. But, but one, one Friday, I drove home, and I drove home drunk, and it was just by the grace of God that I didn't get arrested or hurt myself or somebody else. So that, God has mercy in our foolishness. But I walked, I walked in the door, and my grandmother was sitting in, in a recliner that we have in our home right now. We have a small group. It's Miss Sue's. It's Miss Sue's seat. It's funny because, Miss, anyway. And she, she looked at me and she said, she was in her bathrobe. It was the middle of the night. She said, we're going to talk in the morning. And so I went and passed out in bed and got up at the crack of noon. And my grandfather sat me down and he always called me boy. He used it as a term of affection. It's the same one I used for my son. And he said, boy, sit down. And so I sat down and he said, listen, I know what you're doing. And it's killing your grandmother. So you've got two choices. You can stop what you're doing and stay here, or you can get out. I said, fine, I'm out. I'm out. And by that point, my parents had gotten divorced. My mom had bought a a house just uh, the next town over, and so I called her up. I said, Mom, you know these crazy rules these people have? I mean, they're old. They don't understand how things are. I didn't tell her why, but I just said, you know, uh, can I rent your basement from you? She had a basement that had a separate entrance and exit. And and she said, yeah, of course, no problem. So, So I moved my stuff in there, and since I'd moved so much, I had everything kind of in a box. I promise you it was a box. And... I got out of bed that first couple days, one of them, I got out, and when I threw my leg off of the bed, I was mid-shin deep in water. She had bought a house that was on a floodplain. She didn't know it. The house flooded on a regular basis, so the place that I was renting was regularly underwater, and I didn't know that. And so I started getting all my worldly goods, all of my earthly goods out of this one box and laying them out to dry because they'd been soaking for the last several hours. And I got out a letter that I had written myself at church camp years before. And right then God spoke to me. And he said something very similar to my grandfather. And he said, listen, you got two options, Ryan. You can stop letting people call you preacher. Stop telling people you're a Christian because, let's be honest, you and I don't have a real relationship. Or you can get down on your face and you can repent and you can change and give it all to me. It's all or nothing. Let your love be without hypocrisy. And so I did. I got down on my face on the bed because I didn't want to drown in the water. And I repented. And I said, God, whatever it takes, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do whatever it takes. 
and in that transition, I decided to go to Bible school. And on my way to Bible school, they had this wilderness experience for transfer students. And I like the woods, so I'm like, let's do it. So they sent you for, for a day with your Bible and uh, a Nalgene full of water and, and some trail mix. And they're like, okay, see you at sunset. And, and it's just you and the Lord. So I'll be honest, I took a nap for quite a while. And then, then I, I spent time reading God's word. And Romans 12 just kept coming up again and again and again. Let your love be without hypocrisy. Love that which is good. Hate that which is evil. But I want to I talk about a couple verses before it as well. In Romans 12, 4 through 8, it says this. It says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ, and individual members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Folks, we're not meant to be apart. We're meant to be together. You're not meant to have just a finger my friend, my friend Andong can, can tell you what it's like to have a toe that's hurting. He, he, was, he was taking a shower this week, and he's got, if you want to see a gross picture, ask him after the service, because he cut that thing down to the tendon. It's hard to walk when something is hurting. You're not meant to have four toes. You're meant to have five. You, you've got to have that. Folks, we need you. I need you. You need me. We need each other. We're meant to be a part of this community. But you know what? Sometimes it gets messed up and we, we decide, you know what, maybe community's not for me. And I want to tell you right from the get-go that that is a lie from Satan. But, but I've got some reasons, and you do too, why we avoid community. The first one is this, we've been hurt. I was in community and somebody hurt me. In Psalm 34, 18, it says this, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite heart. That word for broken heart there is literally a burst heart. It's, it's like... I don't know if you've ever got those cheap cups. Our kids get like the kids meals and they get the cheap cups. And I don't know why we don't just throw them away, but we put them in the dishwasher um, and, and they get brittle and the bottom breaks out of them. And let me tell you, you fill up some Kool-Aid in a broken, a broken out bottom. That, that thing is not holding that Kool-Aid. It is going to make a mess. That's what happens to our hearts. Sometimes we've been hurt and the bottom is blown out of our heart. So, so how in the world are we supposed to, talk, to trust or need or reach for attachment. How are we supposed to do that when we're leaking? So we just, ah, maybe community's not for me. And so we either build a wall. I'm not, I don't need, I don't need community. And we build a wall to protect ourselves from it. Or we act out. Dude, I'm going to be so weird and such a jerk that nobody's going to want to come to my house. I'm not going to have any friends. I'm going to make sure of it by acting weird. And, and we all know people like that. Maybe some of us are those people. I hope not. But, but it's a response to being hurt. At that church that, that, um, that I had moved to in, in Michigan, I went all the time. And, and I was making bad, bad, bad decisions. But I, I, would, I was there Sunday morning for Sunday school and Sunday morning for church and then Sunday night for Sunday night church and then Wednesday for you know, youth group or prayer meeting or whatever, you know, several times throughout the week. And I missed one one time. And I remember I went to school the next day and somebody had a prayer list, a, a, a prayer, prayer request sheet. And my name was on it. I had not put my name on that sheet. It said, pray for the poor decisions Ryan is making with his life. You think that made me want to go back there? Not at all. 
That's the longest period I've ever been out of church was after I said, I said forget it. You know what? I don't need these guys. They're a bunch of, bunch of hypocrites. They're the ones drinking with me at the parties. They were stabbing each other. And so, so I started protecting myself, and I started acting out, man. Then I was all in, and, that, and that, was, that wasn't good for me either. You know, sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's unintentional. I, I, I believe that it was unintentional for those folks. I don't think they meant to hurt me by putting me on a prayer list, but come on, man. Think through that. Don't put my name down. I didn't ask you to put my name down there. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes we, we, somebody intentionally hurts us. They're, they're jealous or whatever, and they, and they stab us in the back and they hurt us. Sometimes they're just not there to protect us when we, we, we were kind of counting on them, and they, they let the enemy through. I, um, as a youth pastor, I've had an opportunity to go to camp on a regular basis. I was a youth pastor for years. And one of them, uh, I was a youth pastor of a small church, and I had a couple other friends that we met every week. Um, and we would play basketball. We would pray for each other. We would talk about the mistakes we made in as youth pastors, um, and some of them were hilarious, and I won't share them all now because I could go all on and on. But, but one time we decided we, we wanted to go to camp, and we didn't have money. We didn't have the budgets to go by ourselves to rent this place. So, so three of us, we all got our kids. We pooled our resources, and, um, and we got a camp. Well, half of my kids paid but didn't show up, so I had like three kids. It was awesome because I didn't have to hardly handle anything and my other friend he had all girls and those girls were like really pretty well behaved but the third guy man he had 20 more people or more that showed up that weren't going to show up and one of them his name was Jean 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 was from France his mother sent him to France to get his life straight which I don't know what her rationale was on that but Jean Jean and he always referred to himself in the third person Jean Jean is so happy to be here oh that's awesome well, Jean Jean likes all the girls he did and and so he was going from from cabin to cabin to cabin and it was funny because the other youth pastor that was with me his wife comes and she's his name was Levi. Levi, um, your friend Nate, John John, is trying to get in all the girls' cabins. You boys, you know, you're his friend. You should go help him. We're like, we're sleeping. What are you talking about? And she's like, if you really cared, you would. And we're like, all right, good night. And uh, it was, uh, it, so he was messing up our sleep. He was messing up our time there. And so Levi and I, we got this idea. We're going to get John John. And so we waited until John John got in the shower. And we went and got a garden hose. And we just put that garden hose over top, and we blasted that, that guy full blast. And he's like, John John is so cool. John John is freezing. John John will get you. You know, we're running out of there. And, like, as we run out of the bathroom, we, like, looked at each other, Levi and I. And he says, uh, bro, we didn't take a shower yet. And I said, I know. He said, that's okay, Jennifer, his new bride. Jennifer will watch our stuff. I said, okay, that's cool, that's cool. So I said, are you sure? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's good, it's good. We'll both go in the shower so nobody can get in the other shower and mess with us, you know. Because, like, all right, that's, we got this plan. So we go in there, you know, we stack our stuff out, pull the curtain. He goes in his, pulls the curtain. And, and um, I start washing my hair, and all of a sudden I get this weird feeling like, man, something ain't right. Something just ain't right. And so I open it back just a little bit. Oh, dude, all of our stuff is gone. It is gone. We are naked in the shower, and there's no clothes in this whole building. And so I said, Levi. Dude, our stuff is gone. And he goes, no, Jennifer was watching our stuff. I said, I'm telling you, it's gone. And so we opened it up, and then we heard, Jean-Jean wants an apology. And he had folded all of our clothes, and we had to take the curtains down, wrap them around like skirts, and go out, apologize to this guy before he would give us our clothes and we could go and get changed. And she was just messing around. He was very mad at her. She, he didn't think it was a very, the, the, the husband did not think it was a very funny joke of his wife. But there are times where we feel like somebody should have protected us, and they just didn't. The next thing that, I'll be honest, I've avoided community because I, I feel like, you know what, 
I'm sufficient. I'm self-sufficient. People use words like responsible, independent, grown-up to describe us. If they say, you know, there's nothing wrong with being responsible. There's nothing wrong with being independent. There's nothing wrong with being grown-up. But folks, we're not meant to be alone. In Genesis 2, 18, God says for the first time, he says, it's not good that man is alone. You know, up to this point, he said, it's good, it's good, this is good, all this creation is good, this is good, this is good, this is good. And all of a sudden he says, and let me tell you, God didn't caught by surprise, he made us for community, but he said, oh, it's not good that, that Adam's alone. Let's get him somebody. Let me tell you, though, if, if I want to be by myself, I don't have to experience my incompleteness, because that's painful. If I feel like I'm, I can be independent, I don't have to go through the trouble of finding people to love me like I am. I don't have to show those people the hurting, imperfect parts of me. Those spots that I'd rather, nah, let's just pretend that's not there. I don't have to look anyone in the eye and say, I need you. I don't have to risk asking them to comfort me or to support me. I'll tell you one of the hardest things I did, I had an injury to my eye, and we're still praying for a healing there, but Sean Bates was over to my house, and he said, hey, man, is there anything I can do to help you? And let me tell you, grass is a big thing for me. I don't know why I like to have my grass mowed just right, and, and it took everything in me to say, hey, bro, you know what? could really use somebody to mow my grass right now that was a big thing for me because that meant i wasn't independent i needed him we don't have to risk asking people to support us if we're independent and we don't have to humbly receive whatever they do sean i love you buddy but i don't know if you'd have mowed my grass just right but i'd have to receive it humbly and with grace and we don't have to do it again and again and again and that's what satan says you know what you're good by yourself some well-intentioned but wrong preachers have said, all you need is God, brother. The reality is that is not what Scripture says. Because Adam had God. It was Adam and God in, in the garden. And he says, it's not good that you're alone. And so that lie that, oh, I just need more God. Well, you may need more God, but you also need some more people. You need some more community. You know the first thing that happened then? You go to verse 3. Sin enters the world. And the first thing that they do is they separate. They become independent of each other. They're no longer in community. Adam and Eve both clothe themselves and make it so that they're, they're not naked before each other. And they hide from God. They hide from each other and they hide from God. So that idea of independence, that's a lie. And then the third thing, and I've said this to myself, is I, there's just not somebody like me. I'm not weird, but there's just not somebody that's enough like me. How many of you guys have seen that Android Super Bowl commercial about the piano? If you guys would play that, watch how frustrated this guy gets. He, he's a phenomenal pianist. Watch how frustrated he gets when he tries to play the other piano.
be together, not the same. Let me tell you, we do small groups a little bit differently here. We don't need a small group that's just all a bunch of uh, uh, people that have just been divorced. We don't need a small group that's just a bunch of, of single moms. We don't need a, a small group that's, that's just a bunch of people that are exactly like me. You know why? There's not going to be any music coming from that group. There's not going to be, God isn't going to be moving out of there because, you know what? I need you. I need you to be different. Diversity is the key. Diversity, when we, when we look for a home, we look for a home. And I'll tell you, I, I, I've been so frustrated. I went through three different uh, realtors before I found the one that we wound, finally used because I said, listen, this is what I want. I want a place where my kids aren't, aren't it's not just all white kids on my block that are middle class. I want people from every different socioeconomic background. I want that in the community. And they're like, oh, you don't want me as your realtor then. And I'm, I said, you're right, you're fired. And I went and kept going until I found somebody. I'm going to tell you, we need diversity. I need you to be different. And there are those times where Satan gets in and whispers to me, oh, if your wife was only a little bit more like you, thank God she is not more like me. Because if she was more like me, my kids would be hungry. They would not have clothes that fit. Jude would be walking around with pants that are coming, you know. That's just, that's just reality. Like, why would you do that? Well, because he needed some clothes. Oh, I didn't notice. I need you to, I need you to be different than me. Here's some, here's some reasons that we have to have community. I have to have it. It keeps us accountable. I've been reading through the life of David. He's one of my favorite characters in, in Scripture. He's, he's such a man of God who is so real. That, I think that's what draws me to him is like, yeah, he messes up. So I'm going to tell you about one of his big mess, mess up. He was supposed to be at war with all the other kings, but instead he was at home. He, saw, he sees this woman. I'm going to give you the fast forward. He sees this woman. He has sex with her, gets her pregnant, murders her husband. Is not good. That is not good. And he keeps it silent. But a friend comes to him who also happens to be a prophet. If you've got friends that are prophets, well, but yeah, watch out. And, and, and so he comes to him and, he, and, and Nathan tells him the story. And he, and he says, I know what you did. And you need to repent. And David does. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I'm so sorry, God. Whatever it takes, I'll do it. I'll, take it all, whatever. And he talks about it. Later in Psalms, David does, and he says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. I was dying inside. I knew it was there. Nobody else did. You know, it's important to have somebody to keep us accountable. When we were in our first small group, um, it, it, was, it was a rough time for Sarah. We were newlyweds, and, and um, I just said some stupid stuff, and... and you know, I, I responded in, in a way that wasn't out of love. And, and we were in the middle of an argument. I said, that's it. I'm out here. I jump in my truck and I start driving. And we had this, this church we had gone to, where we were going to, it just started small groups. There was a small groups-based church. And um, as I was driving, I realized, you know what, tonight's small group night. In fact, I got to drive right past that place. And so I pulled in there, just me. And they said, oh, where's Sarah? And I got real. And I said, you know, we got into a big argument. I said this, she said this, and I said this back. And they said, well, oh, that ain't good. Sit down. And so we had Bible study. We prayed together. One of the things that was stressing me out was I didn't have a job. I didn't have, I didn't have income. And I, wanted, I needed income as, as a man in the house. I wanted to provide for my new bride. And uh, one of the guys said, I have a business. I, I do landscaping. I'll tell you what, I'll pay you cash. Come tomorrow, work a few hours with me. Okay, sweet. So he gets me in his truck, his captive audience, and brings me and pays, my, pays for my lunch, which, again, thank you for that, Dave. Um, we sat down at a Taco Bell and he said, you know what, you know what you said last night about how you talked to your wife? Man, that hurt her. She may never forget that. 
And I'm like, what are you talking about? But he had bought my lunch and my ride, so I was like stuck there. I'm like, and then I let it sink in. You know what? He's telling the truth. I need to repent of that. I need somebody to hold me accountable. And you know, because of his love for me, his accountability for me, he probably saved a young marriage. The other thing, community keeps us safe. David and Jonathan, again, I'm going to talk about David. Jonathan is the king's son. The king is trying to kill David. And Jonathan keeps him safe. He says, no, don't go there. You're going to die. You know, there was a, a friend I had one time. I was over at his house, and he said, uh, hey, man, let's go, let's go run up to Walmart and get a couple Xbox games. I said, okay, cool. So, you know, we jump in the car. He swings the car around, does a kind of little loop, and drops me off at my house. And he goes, okay, go ahead and get out. And I knew right then he was up to something. And I said, hey, bro, let me tell you something. If your wife calls, we did not go to Walmart. We are not playing Xbox. And he said, you going to do that? You're going to sell me out? And I said, you're darn right I'm going to sell you out. Because I love your family too much. I love your wife too much. I love your children too much to allow you to shipwreck it by whatever you're about to go do. And he was mad. And we did not play Xbox that day. He drove away. But I'm going to tell you something. I'd like to believe that there was some safety that he received there because we were in community. And thirdly, community keeps us going. It encourages us. There are people that we've sat with. Sine is leading a small group. She, she was thinking about going to Boston last year. We sat out there, but she was surrounded by men and women who love her and who love God. She's leading, uh, uh, with, with a couple other leaders, a phenomenal small group where people are coming and, and lives are being changed. The other thing it keeps us going by doing is, is it models things for us. You know, when, when I was learning to drive a car, I grew up, uh, every summer I would go to a farm, and so it was kind of like, you know, they'd throw you the keys to the truck and be like, okay, go get this thing, go pick this up. I'm like, man, I can barely reach the, you know, they show me how it works, this is the wheel, this gas brake, you know, speedometer doesn't work on the thing, but I got to drive it around, it was kind of cool, so when driver's training came around, I kind of knew the general, this is a wheel and the brake and the gas and that kind of thing, and the guy wanted to teach us a stick shift, and so the way it worked back then was, you, you know, you, you got your three pedals, but then the driver's ed teacher, he's got the three pedals on his side too so like if you get real crazy he can lock up the brakes you know he doesn't have to pull the e-brake and and so he had this real long stick because he wanted to teach us to turn right and so he's like you got to get got to get so close to the curb you know and then if i can tap the curve you get if you get three curbs in a row you pass that particular portion all right cool so i do it you know pop 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 i get three curbs it's awesome so the girl that i had partnered with was my sister's Best friend's sister. Figure that out. Anyway, so Kim, Kim had never driven. Her dad was a UPS driver, would not let her behind the wheel. She had never been behind the wheel. And so she's told the guy that. And he goes, oh, that's, that's okay. We'll give it a shot. I've never seen anybody that's never been behind the wheel. So first one she does, you know, she lets it clutch out kind of, and, and we go around, and it's wide, and he misses. And he says, ah, you need to cut it a little bit closer next time, sweetheart. And she says, okay. So she cuts it, and then, bow, we're in somebody's lawn. Up, up in the curb, you know, over the curb in the lawn. And he says, well, you need to be a little bit. You let the clutch out a little slower. He's very patient, very, you know, he goes on this five-minute lecture tour. And he says, by the way, honey, you can go ahead and just take your foot off the gas. The whole time she's been, just, just keeping on going. And thank the Lord he had that clutch here. But modeling, sometimes I learn, how do I love my wife through this? How do I deal with a difficult small group member? How do I deal with a, a boss that, that I don't feel like is treating me fairly? You learn that by modeling. And, and then the other thing is, we keep, it keeps us going through good deeds. The Word of God says that we are to spur one, another to, uh, spur one another on toward good deeds. You know, that doesn't happen naturally. When I see somebody do something, oh, dude, I could do that. That really made a difference for that person. But it doesn't naturally just happen to me. I'm a sinner, saved by grace. It's not something that comes natural. And then finally, community teaches us to love. 
We need community because community teaches us to love. We can only learn where we fail to love in community. Here's the deal. When I'm alone, I can pretend, like Pastor Adam said, I'm the best looking. I am the best looking guy in the room when I'm alone. I'm the one that is the most loving husband when I'm alone. When I'm isolated, I can pretend I'm anything. In community, I learn where the rubber really meets road. Ask a new parent. What's... How easy is it? Oh, that's such a cute baby. And then when it's like 3 o'clock in the morning and there's poop coming out their diaper all over the crib and it's like, oh my gosh, my sister, she's one of the most loving people you'd ever meet. I I mean, we're still very, very close to this day and uh, she may kill me for telling this, but oh well. So so she had, she, I think she was on child number four at this point, and, and she, she had a bunch of young ones and she had to get up, she was breastfeeding, she had to get up in the middle of the night and breastfeed. She goes, Ryan, I have to tell you something. I punched Dom last night. Her husband's name is Dominic. I punched Dom last night. I said, why'd you punch him? She goes, just cause. I said, what? She goes, I thought I really loved him, and I do really love him, but I punched him in his sleep. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. That is not good. You know, you learn where you really love, where those boundaries are when you're in community. So, so, so here's a couple t- takeaways, things that I've learned about how to be in community. The first one is this. I ask God to open my eyes to the people that are already around me. In this church, in the body of Christ, all right, who, who's sitting next to you? Who's been inviting you to small group for the past three weeks and you just you haven't been able to go for one reason or another? Who's already here? So look around. I ask God, God, open my eyes to the people already here. The second thing is, is God, bring the people that are missing. I need people that will hold me accountable in areas of business, in areas of marriage. I need a parent that's a little further down the road than I am. They can say, hey, man, sharpen this up. So, so I ask God, bring those people that are missing. And then third and finally, just go for it. You need to budget your time and your money to grow in community. That's what I have to do. I have to budget my time. You know, Sarah and I, we have a budget to go out to eat with people. Not because we just can't cook at home. And not because her cooking isn't phenomenal. Because it is. I, I much, honestly, I'd much rather eat at home many times. But it's because we need community. And so... We have to budget for it. The way we spend our time and our money says what really matters to us. If you want to look at, at what really matters to you how, do you, how do you spend your time off? How do you spend your free time? How do you spend your money? If you looked at your bank account, where did that money go? That's what really matters to you. And then finally, you need to confess your need for a relationship to that person face-to-face. Not on the internet. I love this quote that Derek Webb has. This guy... Uh, was being interviewed and his marriage had just broken up because he admittedly had had an affair and his, and his wife said, you know, that's, that's not acceptable and, and they got divorced. And he was on the show and I know they were kind of waiting for one of those zingers, you know, and they start asking him, well, how about being real? And he said, listen, taking your troubles to the internet is a betrayal of your true friends. Do you know what? If he started talking, my, my true friends, they don't hear about it for the first time on Facebook. My true friends hear about it when I call them on the phone or I say, hey, man, I need you just to come over and sit with me because I'm struggling right now. If you would, just stand to your feet and lift your hands. I want to speak a blessing over you because God is meant for us to be together, whether it's in our small groups, and you can, you can find out more information about that in, in uh, the small group commons as you walk out on, on your right, or whether it's just, you know, I, I, I've been sitting next to this person for a month and I want to have lunch with them. Invite them to lunch. God, just raise your hands if you would and receive this blessing. God, I speak a blessing over these, this body of Christ. God, all the parts are here that we need. We need each other. And so, God, I pray right now that you would open our eyes to the people that are all around us. 
that also need us. And I pray that you would weave our lives together so it would be a beautiful picture of the body of Christ, God. I pray that you would bring around those missing spots. God, there are are men and women that are missing spots in their life. I'm one of them. I'm missing spots, God. Bring and fill in those gaps, God. You're a good God. You're a loving God. You're a God who desires community. So, God, now we pray and ask for that. And I speak that blessing that they will find the person that they've been praying for today in Jesus' name. And if you just keep your eyes closed for just a moment, you can put your hands down. What a great word about being in community and being real and honest with one another. It's what the Bible has set up for us, what the kingdom of God desires of us. Maybe you would say, Pastor, to be honest with you, I need to be real first and foremost with the Lord. I'm not in relationship with Him. You know, we're talking today about being in relationship with one another. The difficulties, the fears that we have, the hurts that have happened in times past. The difficulty in reestablishing those relationships, what we have to do to get, kind of jump, start that all over again. But maybe you stand here today and you're out of relationship with the King of glory, Jesus Christ who died on a cross for you and me so that we could spend eternity with Him and also have that relationship here on this earth. Maybe you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm away from the Lord. Maybe you used to have a relationship with the Lord and things happen. Maybe you became like, like we heard Ryan's story, you know, where church just became what you went to to connect with the things that you shouldn't be or whatever, however he put it. And, or maybe you just, you know, time has created some space and you call yourself separated, not divorced, but separated maybe. Or maybe you would say, Pastor, I've never been a real Christian. I, I, I've gone to church, I've said prayers, but I've never known God. I've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's not my best friend. Listen, I want to give you an opportunity for that to change today. I want to give you... A, the moment of all moments for your life where you make Jesus the Lord of your life. You say, well, what do I have to do? Well, that's the beauty of this whole thing called Christianity. Jesus already did it all. I know that sounds like a cop-out for those of us that are so self-sufficient, but I think that's the whole point, is it that we needed a Savior. We have to humble ourselves and say, I need a Savior. When I talk with very intelligent people, they have a hard time grasping their need for God because they feel like that they can do everything within their own strength. That's called humanism. But at the end of it all, we will bow our knee and we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Christ. But in Jesus' name, for you and for me, it won't be too late because we will have already accepted Him as Lord and Savior. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're away from God, you don't know Jesus as your best friend, you've never had that relationship, one of those those places you would find yourself in, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to introduce you to my best friend named Jesus. I'd love you to start a relationship with Him today. I'd love you to have the opportunity to know that when you died, you would spend forever with him instead of the place that was prepared not for us originally, but for Satan and the fallen angels. And so with that being said, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if God's tugging at your heart, say, come on now. Just like Ryan had that experience in that bedroom with the water flooding in where he realized, man, I've got to make a choice here, a real God choice for my purpose and my destiny to be fulfilled. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if the Lord's tugging at your heart and it's time for you to serve Him, time for you to come back to Him, or time for you to know Him for the first time, 
I'd like to pray with you. Would you admit that by just lifting your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I'm away from God. I need to repent. I need to come back to the Lord. Or I need to ask him into my life, maybe for the very first time. I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you quickly shoot your hand up? No one's looking around. No one's going to embarrass you. God bless you for your honesty, sir. God bless you. Anybody else say, pray for me, Pastor. It's time to be right with the Lord. I want to know him as my Lord and my Savior. I'll give you about five seconds. God bless you. Thanks for your honesty, both of you. God bless you guys. Thanks for being real. Anybody else say, if I were honest, I'm away from God, but today I need to come back. I want to pray and I want to seek his face. God bless you, ma'am. I see your hand, sir. God bless you. Anybody else? Two seconds left. I'm just so passionate. I just don't want anybody to spend eternity separate from God. Amen. You can put your hands down. There's been probably five, maybe six of you that lifted your hand. I want to lead you in a prayer of repentance. There's nothing magical about these words. What's supernatural is that you sense God tugging at your heart and you're responding to that. That's what's supernatural. In fact, what's about to happen is all the angels of heaven are rejoicing because the Bible says with just one sinner turns their heart back to the Lord. And so that's exactly what's transpiring right now. And so I want to lead you in that prayer. In fact, I'd like everyone in the audience to pray this prayer out loud with those who lifted their hands. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. There you go. Jesus. Today, I surrender my life. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. Wash me clean. Here and now, I declare in front of everyone, in front of heaven, Jesus is my Lord. I will obey your teachings. I will live for you. I ask you now to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life, for I am yours forever. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for a moment. Father, I bless every man and woman who lifted their hand. I pray right now in Jesus' name. They would feel literally the love of God overtake them. Lord God, that they would, they would understand in their knower of their knower, on the inside deep, beyond all their intellect, that they would know on the depths of who they are, that they are forgiven, that they belong to you. Lord, that they would get past all the stuff they've heard, all the false religion that has been poured out on them. They don't have to perform anymore. They don't have to give money to the church to be accepted by you. They don't have to do 25 Hail Marys and go do this and go do that because they confessed with their mouth and believed in their heart that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You have now cleansed them from all unrighteousness and they can know that they know that they know that if they died today, that they would spend eternity in your embrace. Lord, may that truth go down deep inside of them. They hold to it in the midnight hour when all hell seems to be breaking loose, that they can say on that Sunday, there with that little short preacher guy, in Cedar Hill, Texas, I made a decision for Jesus and he has been my Lord ever since. And no matter what comes my way, no matter how bad things look or how dumb I am, he is still my Lord and I am forgiven and cleansed by his precious blood. May that revelation sink deep into who they are and may they never doubt it another day from this point forward in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand.